As I look over the political landscape and I look at the mainstream media that we have in our world today, how low can they go? And this is all I can think of. Every limbo boy and girl all around the limbo world gonna do the limbo rock all around the limbo clock. Jack be limbo, Jack be quick. Jack go under limbo stick. Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Unfortunately, this song is very fitting for those that are in leadership today. How low can we go? How far astray can we be? How insane do we have to appear to everybody? I think of some of the great fights going on on school boards in places like Virginia, where they're very concerned about critical race theory being taught in schools, which is basically an untrue narrative saying that the United States only came into being because for slavery. What about those that came to the United States seeking religious freedom? What about those that came from all over the world looking for opportunity to paint with this one brush and make this one claim that the United States is an illegitimate nation. That's what they're saying. They're saying everything about this nation is illegitimate. The cancel culture, how low can they go? If you disagree with anything that comes out of a leftist point of view, they want to cancel you. You're not allowed to think for yourself anymore. They're demanding nothing but group think. And where's the church in all of this? Sadly, in too many churches, they're absent without leave. They're AWOL. They're gone. They're they're too busy fearing a virus in some cases. Or they're adapting to the culture instead of trying to change the culture. And by the way, the way you change the culture is you change individual people's lives with the good news of the gospel. But many churches now are willing to just stay inside of their cloistered four walls for fear of being accused of hate speech or saying the wrong thing on YouTube or Facebook and having their account canceled. The cancel culture is getting into every aspect of our lives. Saw a story this morning. I actually had heard it a couple of days ago, but I saw it again this morning, that in the real estate world, that's right, in the real estate world, they want to get rid of the term, you're ready for this, of course, they they want to get rid of the term master bedroom because it's racist. I, I never made that connotation or connection in my life. But to those of a leftist persuasion, They want to change the words. They want to change the terms. They want to reinvent history. They want to erase most of the history. It goes right into the George Orwell playbook. There is no past. They've erased it. There's no future, just an ever-changing present that always conforms to the party line. And we see it every day, unfortunately, 
I'm still trying to figure out, I, in the United States, I know there's a lot of listeners in other parts of the world. I'll be talking about some of the things in your part of the world in just a little bit, in Australia, Canada, United Kingdom. I notice we're beginning to gain listenership on a worldwide basis, at least via the podcast. And maybe I should look into ways of getting this broadcast out internationally to other parts of the globe. Because the day is coming, and I'm convinced, and I don't think I'm going to be wrong on this, the day is coming when a voice like mine will no longer be welcome on many internet sites. In other words, I'll be cancel cultured from the Facebooks. I'll be cancel cultured uh, from Twitter, which I pretty much already have been. I'll be cancel cultured uh, from Google and YouTube and everything else. And it'll be more difficult to find this program. And so while the, the time is still available, need to use every avenue to at least have people find the program and know the alternate ways that they can hear this program. I really believe that shortwave radio, and, and I'm convinced of this, just by the emails that I get day in and day out, I, I'm convinced beyond the shadow of a reasonable doubt that a lot of people are finding their way to shortwave that never do anything about it before in their life. Let's be honest. I'm a baby boomer. And so I'm born in the first part of the 1950s. And had it not been for a family member at one time that happened to have a Zenith world band radio, this is when I was about maybe 12 or 13 years old, I never would have known anything about shortwave. It wasn't something that most of us growing up ever saw or, or paid attention to. It just wasn't in our, our realm. When I was, as a kid, all we had was an AM radio in the car, and I thought that was the extent of radio until I discovered there was FM, and then FM stereo that came along shortly thereafter. But for many, many years, in the beginning of my broadcast career, I can remember there was a frequency open in a town, and... It would have been easy to apply to get that frequency on FM, but people were scared to do it because everybody was listening to AM and you might go broke. In retrospect, I wish I wish I had been involved with that at the time, but no, I was working in AM radio. I can remember a radio station I worked at in Georgia. We had an AM and an FM. The AM billed 12 times as much as the FM did. <laughs> Not anymore. That AM is gone. It's just the FM now. But shortwave, that's what I want to talk about for a moment. A lot of people are rediscovering it. And I really learned more about its importance back in the 1980s. Went to work for a company that built and manufactured broadcast transmitters. We built AM, we built FM. At one time, they even did some television transmitters, not many. But they also built transmitters to operate in the international shortwave bands. And and I can remember, I didn't, I had forgotten what I had known years before as a kid. And it reminded me, yeah, there, there is a world out there. And, and I happened to buy, I decided to go ahead and buy 
on AM, FM, and shortwave radio. And in 1984, when we bought a, my wife and I bought a new little car for me to put around in, I bought it without a radio, and I bought a radio for it, and I actually got an AM, FM with shortwave. Overseas, it's pretty commonplace in the Middle East or even in Europe. For many, many years, shortwave was available. Even some longwave was available. And so I used to, when I worked for the transmitter manufacturer, enjoy these long drives I often had to take to radio stations within maybe three or 400 miles. And I'd listen at night or in the daytime to the shortwave band. And I can remember listening to stations like WRNO or, you know, which was out of New Orleans and even WYFR, which is now known as WRMI out of Okeechobee, Florida, and many, many, many other stations. And I realized these signals, I knew it then, they cross international borders. This program can be heard in Canada. This program, at times, can be heard over the air in the United Kingdom. I kid you not. We can be heard on 9395 fairly frequently. Granted, it's after midnight in the UK, but the signal makes it in to Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Great Britain. So, shortwave does have a value. Remember Cuba? Let's go back a few weeks ago. The folks in Cuba were protesting the lack of food, medicine, and, and utilities in the nation. How long did that protest last? It didn't last very long. See, Cuba in recent years has the internet, and people were using certain applications and social media. The way that Cuba shut down all the protest is they just turned off the Internet. Nobody could, could connect with each other anymore. And those protests have gone flat. My greatest fear is that things like that are going to start happening here in the United States. It's going to happen in Canada. I can see it happening in Australia. Where... Governments will try to suppress any opinion that differs from the established narrative. Now, see, we can debate the the positive or negatives of, of how we're dealing with the virus in the United States. But according to the Biden White House, only one opinion should be allowed on social media, the one approved by the Biden administration. They pretty well decided to tell Facebook that you're killing people by by not doing it our way, by not shutting down, you know, legitimate doctors who have legitimate concerns about how we are dealing with this virus. And God forbid anybody on social media should talk about a way to treat somebody successfully without the vaccine. Because you know and I know that if there's an alternate way of treating any disease or ailment, then the emergency use authorizations for these wonder drugs goes away. If you listen yesterday, I played 
I played the clip by Dr. Dan uh, Stock from Indiana, and he said something that is very true. We have never in the history of medicine invented a successful vaccine to deal with any type of coronavirus, period, period. They mutate. They change faster than you can literally change what we're trying to do with a vaccine. And he's right. One of my greatest fears now is that somehow the F, the FDA, the Federal Death Administration, if they do what I think they're going to do, if they fast-track full approval for these various so-called vaccines, they will be short-circuiting a system that has been in place for many, many decades that was put there for the health and safety of the American people and even people worldwide. See, one of the things that Dr. Stock referred to, and you can find this if you look hard enough, I found some research last year. I think by now I'm sure that Google has hidden it where it's hard to find. But I found some research regarding SARS-CoV-1. In other words, the first SARS-CoV from 2003. And I remember reading this last year, like in the end of March, early April of 2020, when I was at work in emergency management, And it talked about this virus being so incredibly similar to the one that that came out in 2003 and 2004. And man, the mortality rate of that first one was pretty bad, or at least that's what they think. But they discovered a lot of things at that time. Number one, they never could come up with a successful vaccine. They never got past animal testing at all. It either failed, didn't work, or killed the animals. Seriously. You can read it. I read it. That they were having failure rates. You know, they get into maybe the second or third year of their work and their trials and their testing, and these these vaccines began to fail or caused severe health issues. So what's going to make this any different now? Because we want it to be better. We want it to be done in just a matter of a year, a year and a half. In other words, these vaccines have been out literally for about a year. They knew about this by the end of last summer in the early fall. They kept their mouths shut because they didn't like Trump and they didn't want him to get credit. So they waited till after the election <laughs> to, to get the word out that they had this stuff. God forbid... You know, it used to be, and I'll, I'm going to just go quickly on the side here, quick side thought. Back when I was maybe in high school, college, early in my career, some of the old timers would say, you know, the Republicans are for the bankers and the wealthy and the Democrats are for the little guy, the union guy, the guy that has the blue collar or has to wear a hard hat. That was pretty much the assumption. I got news for you. That has changed over the last, oh, I don't know, 40 years. Now, the Democrat Party is funded by the billionaire club, 
The Democrats are loved by the Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos of this world. They're also funded, and I get a kick out of this, you know, they're also loved by one of the most anti-American people on the face of the earth, George Soros. He, he throws money into their campaigns. If you look at the hedge fund guys in New York City, most of them are registered Democrats. So don't give me this nonsense anymore that the Democrats are for the little guy. No, they're for the big corporations. They're for the Pfizer's. They're, they're, they're for the Johnson & Johnson's. They're, they're the ones for Moderna. They like having their little monopolies, and they like having government money to fund them to the tune of billions of dollars of profit every year. All those companies made enormous profits off the pandemic, especially companies like Amazon. Look how many Amazon trucks are on the road today. Look at how many distribution centers they're building today. Getting back to how low can they go? Here in the United States, 19 Republican senators allowed this stupid infrastructure bill, unread by most, to be passed. And now they're, just as everyone predicted, now let's ram in the other $3 trillion with a T dollars. How deep in debt, how low can we go? Because if we keep borrowing this money, the money that we have left becomes worth less Ever wonder why the price of everything is going up? We keep throwing more borrowed money into this fiat currency system, and the value of the money that's in circulation becomes less. It's that simple. And people think there's a money tree in the backyard, or there's a lot of wealthy people. We'll just tax the wealthy. We'll just stick it to them, and then we'll all be fine. And we can have all these wonderful things like a guaranteed basic income, basic free everything. In other words, no responsibility either. How low can we go? And I'm afraid that we in the world, the Western world today, I am thoroughly afraid we are in a race for the bottom. How low can we go? How deep down into the pits of hell can we take our nation? Can we take our children? Can we take our future? Can we take everything that we are? How low can we go? And what scares me is we haven't begun to see how low we can go. Let's go back just 10 years, like 2010, 2011. There's always been, uh, shall we say, we've been, we've been divided since the 1990s, worse than ever before. Worse than ever before when it comes to politics. And I, I can remember, I, I can think back in communities and towns that I've lived in. Nobody cared if you were a Democrat or a Republican. We cared about being an American. We cared about our communities. We cared about our schools. We cared about a lot of things. We had hometown spirit, too. We really did. But even that is disappearing. We're losing that. We've traded in one-on-one time for smartphone time, computer time, and Facebook time. It's going to present some troubles down the road, no matter how you cut it. 
how low can we go? I'm afraid we haven't even begun to see how low we can go. The Bible talks about several things that can happen, some of the things at any time, but particularly as we get closer to the end of the church age. And I'm not going to get into the debate about the rapture, non-rapture, is there one, is there not one. I'm just going to let's leave that on the side. Let's just agree on one thing that the apostles agreed on. All of them agreed on one thing. Jesus will come again. When Jesus ascended into heaven, the angels said, you'll see him come back as you saw him leave. Now, let's take all the other things we may piously believe in out of that equation and just recognize that he is coming again. And are we going to be ready when he comes again? Will we have to go through times of testing and times of tribulation? Well, I look at it this way. The early apostles did. The early church did. Christians still are being persecuted and executed and killed and destroyed for their faith in the world today. Just because we've had it so easy in Canada, so easy in the United States, England, and Australia, doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. And a lot of people, as far as I'm concerned nowadays, they're fair-weather Christians. You know, now that they've seen the virus, I think we'll stay home. There, there are people today, I know, that will never return to church for fear of dying of the coronavirus, even, even if the pandemic should come to an end next year, and we're in an endemic of small number of cases and as one doctor friend said, ironically, coronaviruses, as they mutate and vary, they tend to become more infectious but less harmful to the body. Have you noticed, this just brings a thought to my mind, have you noticed that every time there's a new variant out there, that's allegedly identified. I'm not sure how they identify it, but somehow they identify it. And they, they give it a name, the Alpha. Then, then we had the, uh, the Delta, and now we got the Lambda. And there's been a few others along the way. And every time there's a new variation or a new variant of the coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, the headline is, could the next more deadly virus be just around the corner? More infectious. It could even be more deadly. It's always based upon the talk of fear. There are churches that I know of that are still pretty much shut down. <laughs> and they'll stay that way for quite a long time to come. Another thought, I happened to catch a story the other day, actually this morning when I got up to do this show, not the other day, been reading about several things, but I, I caught this one story. The CDC has announced uh, it doesn't recommend travel to several countries, which happen to include France and Israel, and they don't want you to travel there because of the coronavirus. Now, Israel has got to be 
one of the most vaccinated nations on the planet. So if this, if these wonderful vaccines are so wonderful and they work, why would Israel be a dangerous place to go because of SARS-CoV-2? France, good Lord. You know, if you're, you're in France nowadays, they've gone absolutely bonkers, syphilis-brained insane over the coronavirus. They have the police running around the, the outdoor cafes. Can you see your papers? I don't think I have them on me. In that case, we'll have to ask you to come along. Wait, it's possible that I... Yes. Here we are. These papers expired three weeks ago. You have to come along. Halt! And in absolute honesty, at the rate things are going, I guarantee this is the path the world is rapidly heading toward. I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. When we heard a year, well, last March, 2020, 15 days, 15 days to slow the spread, flatten the curve. We understood two things at that time that have been conveniently forgotten by the Anthony Fauci's of this world and many others, especially politicians. The idea of flattening the curve didn't mean fewer people were going to die. It never meant fewer people were going to go into the hospital. It never meant that at all. It just meant by flattening the curve, we would stretch it out farther over a longer period of time. I can remember the first memos I got when working in emergency management explaining this idea of a pause, as they called it in some states. We're going to pause for two weeks. We're going to shut down on a Saturday or a Friday night or whatever the time was. And then, you know, 15 days later, we come out of it and, you know, we begin to live life again more normally gradually quicker and you know in time over we were led to believe over the next month or so after this gradual restoration of normal life we would have passed the crisis time where if everybody got sick at one time it would overwhelm the hospitals so we did the two weeks to flatten the curve that became three weeks that became three months that became a year that are now like 525 days to flatten this curve in, in some places. I've never seen this country do the things that we're doing. Of course, I believe the United States, like most other Western world republics and democracies, are in deep trouble. The satanic world despises freedom. The satanic world despises those that are people of faith. No doubt about that. And as a result, and as a result, they notice in many states, this is something I want you to grasp onto right now. In states like Illinois, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, California, and and a number of others, or cities like Chicago, for example, the way churches were treated compared to any other activity or any other place 
was always different, especially in like Chicago. Some places, like I mentioned yesterday and the day before on Monday, I said there were some places where if your church could seat a thousand people, you only could have 10. That's it, just 10. Because otherwise, everybody's going to die. Yet, Walmarts were allowed to have more people in there based on their square footage. Home Depot, Lowe's, a couple of other building supply stores. Unless you're in Michigan, then you can only buy whatever, you know, Gretchen Whitmire. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. (laughs) But thankfully, not long ago, the legislature in Michigan kind of pulled the plug and took away a lot of the the power that Governor Whitmer had. Uh, basically, they threw a whole lot of water on her authority. Ah, you cursed brat! Look what you've done! I'm melting! Melting! Oh, what a world! I started this segment with the idea, how low can we go? And it, just take a look at the headlines anywhere. State of Oregon. Governor signs a bill letting students graduate that can't read or write or do math because anything else is racist. Senate Democrats are now going to push for another $3.5 trillion with the T dollars. We knew that was going to happen. 19 uh, Republicans, you got snookered. You thought you could stop it. You're not going to stop it. You should never, ever ever had signed on to this porculous spending bill to begin with. All you're going to do is increase inflation, raise taxes, and make life miserable. There's some things hidden in that bill that don't belong there either. And then we get get all these uh, tech tyrants deciding what you can and cannot say. YouTube removes a video, the second one of Rand Paul, and suspends him because he's giving COVID-19 misinformation. I got news for you, YouTube. The man's a medical doctor. I think he knows a little bit more than that 20-year-old kid riding around on his skateboard listening to iTunes on his cell phone going to work. These feckless fact-checkers. Don't... I, I'm beginning... Look, I've come to the point that social media is becoming less important to me by the hour, let alone by the week. I'm checking in very seldom because there's nothing of any value much left there anymore. These tech tyrants have been allowed to run roughshod and to be one-sided in all of their opinions. And I know you're going to say, but they're a private company a private company that has special exemptions that I don't have in doing this radio show. I don't have the protections that they do. They get to have it both ways. They get to be an open forum, and they get to take off what they don't like. Yet they get to claim that they're an open forum. They need to make a decision on what they are. I think that, I I, look, I'm at a point now How do I put this to my friends here in the United States? We don't have until 2022 
to fix this. We just don't. We don't have till next November, a year and a half from now, a year and a few months from now. We don't have that much time. We definitely don't have till 2024. I'll share more thoughts on the other side and how we as Christians need to start preparing for a very different time ahead. If you believe in the ministry of truth to ponder, would you consider supporting us financially for the airtime? This program is growing. If you're listening, for example, in Delta, Utah on KYAH, I'd love to hear from you. If you're listening on WRMI, let me know. I really need to know. It's probably our, our primary station right now. And we're on on Wednesdays just twice on Wednesdays. Normally we're on three times or more a day. But uh, on Wednesdays, it's just the 5 p.m. airing on 5950 and the 6 p.m. airing Eastern Time, of course, on 9395. Then 11 o'clock tonight, Eastern Time, 8 on the Pacific Coast, KVOH, Voice of Hope out of California. I'd love to know which station you're hearing the program on. When I get back, I'll share some of the things going on in the background. Our mailing address, by the way, is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, and uh, add number 263. That's our secure box. Sky Valley, Georgia is the city. Sky Valley, Georgia. Zip code is 30537. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The fount of every blessing. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn. Your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. There's an old hymn entitled, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. You might have heard it. It was written by a man named Robert Robinson. In his earlier years, he came to the Lord and was blessed by the joy of knowing God. But in his later years, he fell away into sin, away from the Lord. He was deeply troubled. Hoping to find some peace, he decided to go traveling. One day in his travels, he met a young woman who asked him what he thought of a hymn she had just been reading. Robinson was amazed. It was, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, the hymn he had written while he was in the Lord's presence. He tried to get around her question, but she kept pressing him for an answer. And then he broke down and began weeping. As tears streamed down his cheeks, he answered her, I am the man who wrote that hymn many years ago. I'd give anything to experience again the joy I knew then. The woman was amazed and then began to reassure him of the streams of mercy that he wrote about many years before, that they still flowed fresh. Robinson was deeply touched. He turned back to the Lord and finished his walk in the joy in which it began. I think the Lord allowed it all to bless you, that the man who wrote the fount of every blessing should fall away and then at the end find out that one of those blessings is God's unfailing love. The Lord allowed that, his love and mercy to the backslider. We all mess up. We all stumble. It's one thing to fall. It's quite another thing to stop walking. Doesn't matter, my friend. Whatever the sin is, God's love is greater still. Come back to the joy of your first love and be refreshed by the streams of mercy which flow fresh and unstopped from the fount of every blessing. Now, how'd you like to receive special daily meditations and teachings with the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus to give you victory for every day of your week and updates on Israel and prophecy, a free subscription of sapphires and the incredible mystery of the temple doors all free. You'll love it. How do you get it? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed. But call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. 
I invite you to join me in the Great Commission to bring salvation back to the Jewish people and reach millions of unreached peoples around the world on five continents. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, the nice Jewish boy, at Box 1111 in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Questions, comments, whatever. Love to hear from you. Nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah. Mayam Shamayam, the water of heaven. is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our Wednesday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Just so you know, in the background, we're watching, my wife and I, the event put on by by the founder of MyPillow, Mike Lindell, and his cyber symposium. And I'm not, I'm not going to comment yet. We've been trying to watch and get a better feel for what he has to say. Unlike a lot of the media that's scared to death, we'll watch and we'll give it a fair fair listening. I do believe a lot of what he has to say has merit. I'm not 100% certain, but there's a lot I truly believe that they have found that is most likely very true. We spend... We spent about half our time in the state of Georgia. This past year, a little bit more than normal because of other work and things that I had going on a year ago. Even though I'm supposedly retired, it doesn't seem to work out that way. I also have lived and worked in and around Georgia or just across the state line in South Carolina since like 1970, 75. And I've been coming to the South on a regular basis since like 1973 and even as a kid in the 60s. So I know the state of Georgia intimately well. I have lived in Northeast Georgia. I have been down through Augusta and Savannah and all the way back up on I-75 heading towards Tennessee. Know that area well, Dalton, Georgia. Had family there for a long time. I know Metro Atlanta, as I mentioned, and even south of Atlanta. I've turned down jobs in Tifton, know Valdosta quite well. So I I pretty well understand the makeup of the state of Georgia. And yes, I understand the dynamics of big cities like Atlanta and DeKalb County in particular and how they can influence an election. To see the change occur in the state of Georgia between 2016 and 2020 is immense. When you look at certain counties where, shall we say, cheating may be a little bit more difficult because they're still using uh, a more simplified method of, of tabulating votes, and there weren't this, this massive influx of unknown 
absentee or mail-in ballots. In most places, you'll see where Trump's numbers went up. But magically, in all the states, as they do point out in, in Mike Lindell's program, and I've seen this before, when Florida went for President Trump back last year, magically, all of a sudden, the counting stopped in Fulton County. The counting stopped in Detroit, Michigan. The counting stopped in Philadelphia. Just everybody had to stop. And in Georgia, oh, we have a water pipe breaking. We got to get out of the building and evacuate or you'll drown or some such silliness. Never happened. I think they said the worst they could find was a, a, a urinal that wouldn't stop flushing. No threat and no flood. Easy repair. But they used that to get all the observers to leave. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced speaking for the state that I'm in and knowing this state as I know it, Joe Biden did not win legitimately the state of Georgia. Now, the way that some of their experts are saying it may have been taken in Georgia, I can't say yes or no. I don't know yet. Need to think this one out. But I just know the way people behaved. The way people behaved and the things that were done, you had basically, let's be honest, in Georgia, Governor Kemp was a never-Trumper, and so was Brad Rassenberger. And neither one, they, they, they would have rather have had, you know, a rhino or a Democrat in the, in the White House. Especially with Kemp with all his China ties. So it, it was like, okay, if we get rid of Trump, but see, they, they didn't expect the people yelling as loud as they were that there's something wrong with this election. Now, I want you to stop and think for just a moment now. Just, just bear with me. Go back to the election of 2016. Let's go to the debates. And I want to see if you can remember something. Well, I support our democracy. And uh, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Uh, but I uh, certainly uh, will support the outcome of this election. Uh, and I know Donald's trying very hard to plant doubts about it. But I hope the people out there understand. I really believe, in all honesty, that when Hillary Clinton said those words in a debate just prior to the 2016 election, she had been told by her handlers by those running your campaign, there's no way you're going to lose. We know you are going to win. Now, does that mean that there may have been some uh, planned cheating going on a little bit? Maybe in Wisconsin, maybe in Michigan, uh, maybe in Pennsylvania, maybe, maybe even try to do something in Florida or Ohio. It wouldn't take but a state or two to... You know, we, we kept hearing that Trump had no path to victory. The mainstream media had it all tied up and sewn together. There's no way that Hillary's going to lose. She is the heir apparent. And then suddenly on election night, as the numbers came in, 
Florida went for Trump. And before long, once Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan came in for Trump, and it was fairly close, I'll, I'll admit that, Hillary had a meltdown, literally had a meltdown. And I know why. Because she had been told there's no way you can lose. And so the fact that Trump won in the face of what I really believe is a tradition of many Democrats, like Chicago, where cheating and stuffing ballot boxes has been a tradition for over a century. I think they had plans of winning. They had counted up the Electoral College votes, and they had a, they had a nice little plan for her to win. So when she didn't, well, then we started all the Russian collusion delusion. Uh, the absolute answer that the Russians interfered in our 2016 election, they did so uh, to favor Donald Trump. Uh, they were much more involved, and aggressively so, uh, than uh, I think uh, many of us had any reason to expect, uh, other than what we knew at the time, that they had uh, hacked into the DNC and into you know, other people's uh, personal uh, email accounts. But the real story here is that the Russians are still doing it. Uh, that, is, that is what is so troubling to me. From the time that Trump won in November of 2016, the idea of the Russians hacking our election became the, the discussion and talking points. Trump didn't win, the Russians made it happen. They hacked our voting machines. Even even last summer, even last summer, many Democrats were saying, you know, we really can't trust these machines. You know, the, I, I, I can't trust them. They're, they can be hacked from the outside. But as soon as the Democrats won on the 7th of November, as soon as they won, guess what? This was the safest and most perfect election in history. Nobody could have possibly hacked it because we, our guy won. This is strictly my opinion based upon a hundred year history of how some elections have been tainted. I believe they cheated again. This time they cheated just enough and they found ways of cheating that are hard to find. And you had... Courts, many stuff with Democrats willing to say, hey, the election was perfect. There's nothing wrong with these hundreds of thousands of ballots moved in the middle of the night from Long Island to Pennsylvania. There's nothing to see here. Or the fact we've lost chain of custody on a bunch of mail-in ballots where we have thousands of people that don't live in the state of Georgia that voted in the state of Georgia. And on and on it goes. See, it's perfect because they won. But they were already sowing seeds of doubt in 2020. That was Hillary talking in 2020. And then you had the squad and everybody else saying, you know, we can't trust the elections because, you know, the, the Russians are still hacking the, the elections. And, you know, he's going to win illegitimately again. The world was surprised because they thought the fix was in. In 2016. And I think that's why there's such anger today. And anything they could do to get him out of office, including 
milking a pandemic for more than it's worth. Yeah, they did that too. It gave a way of cheating like we've never seen before. My fear is this. This is a personal fear. This is not a prophecy. I'm not here to give you a prophecy. I believe firmly and without a shadow of a doubt. Eventually, the truth of the 2020 election is going to come out. And if there was cheating, it's going to be exposed. It is going to come out and it's going to be exposed if it really happened. I think it's going to come sooner or later. The problem is going to be, let's assume, let's assume there is sufficient information to say, you know something? Arizona was stolen. Pennsylvania, Georgia, they were stolen. Maybe add Pennsylvania to that as well. What happens? What happens if all of a sudden... The truth comes out that Trump really is the legitimate winner and he really does have and he really does have the proper electoral college votes behind him. It's what are we going to do about it? And my fear is that's when the wrangling and the fights are going to begin, protracted court battles, screaming fest on CNBC, I mean MSNBC and CNN, they're going to go ballistic. Swearing it could never have happened. It was the most perfect election. You can't hack those voting machines that could be hacked in 2016, and they're still the the identical same machines on the same networks that they were on the first time. Do you see the dilemma we're running into now? What are we going to do? What's going to happen to this nation? And see, this is why we as Christians need to start preparing for the days ahead. This pandemic has been used to see how far they can lock you down in many states before you fight back. Now we have this obsession with getting everybody vaccinated with an experimental vaccine. And they're going to short circuit if they can do anything to get away with it. They're going to short circuit the approval process for these vaccines. And then vaccine passports like you see all over the world now and in places like New York City. Truthfully, I see numbers that always seem to vary, but basically, let's just say a little over half of the United States population is fully vaccinated, maybe. And I'm not even sure if it is actually that high, because I'll go to these stores all over, and there are plenty of chairs for those that want to get the coronavirus vaccine, but no one's sitting down and getting it. They're going to coerce people. They're going to try to get young people. I don't understand why they want young people, little kids, why they want to put them in a mask and why they want to harm them psychologically and physically. It's a lot of baloney and garbage and lies, you know, about kids being super killers. And now they want to vaccinate children who don't die of this virus. They just don't. And they're going to use You know, Dr. Fauci is going to make the rounds, according to White House Press Secretary 
uh, Jen Saki. Today, Dr. Fauci is doing five Q&A conversations on Instagram and TikTok with millennial mom influencers and Gen Z influencers. Throughout the month of August, Dr. Fauci will do weekly conversations and questions uh, with notable influencers that aim to reach specific audiences. We are looking to boost vaccination rates with. And that specific audience is high school kids and middle school kids. And before long, elementary school kids. I don't know about you, but I really don't want to see our children being used as lab rats to test out an unproven concoction that they try to pass off as a vaccine. I'm very concerned that short-circuiting the normal 10 to 15 years of studies for any over-the-top or very novel or unique vaccine could have deadly and dangerous consequences for our population. If you're one of those astute listeners to this program, you probably already know that there are a lot of people that have died as a direct result of this vaccine and probably in numbers that are vastly higher than reported. There's enough legitimate news stories from real doctors that are unable to put some of the information of the adverse effects or deaths into the VIRS system that's supposed to track it. So honestly, we don't know. Honestly, we don't know. And I've often said that while it's sad that many people have died because of this virus created in a laboratory. I don't care. I'm so tired of this trying to bring the bat narrative back alive. The bat woman. Fauci. Peter Daszak. Dr. Barrick from University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. They've been playing gain of threat games on these viruses for years. They may know some things about this or have some fears of what might happen. And they're trying to save their hide from going to prison. Because what they did is a violation. The United States is not supposed to be engaging in chemical or biological warfare. And I really believe that they were involved in things that were dirty and evil and sick and illegal. And he runs around as the Pontius Pilate, the wizard of COVID. He did no wrong. And everything he says, though he changes his mind every week, is always right. Even in Australia, where they've gone absolutely bonkers, just insane. At least one of their members of parliament, George Christensen, has had enough. When will the madness end? How many more freedoms will we lose due to fear of a virus, uh, which is a survivability rate of 997 out of 1,000. It's time we stop spreading fear and acknowledge some facts. Masks do not work. Fact, it has been proven that masks make no significant difference in stopping the spread of COVID-19. Lockdowns don't work. Fact, lockdowns don't destroy the virus, but they do destroy people's livelihoods and people's lives. Studies have shown they can even increase mortality rates. Domestic vaccine passports are a form of discrimination. Fact, 
We are all human beings. Nobody should be restricted from everyday life because of their medical choices, especially when vaccinated people can still catch and spread COVID-19. Our posturing politicians, many over there, the sensationalist media elite and the dictatorial medical bureaucrats need to recognise these facts and stop spreading fear. COVID-19 is going to be with us forever, just like the flu. And just like the flu, we will have to live with it, not in constant fear of it. Some people will catch it. Some people will tragically die from it. That's inevitable and we have to accept it. What we should never accept is a systematic removal of our freedoms based on a zero-risk health advice from a bunch of unelected medical bureaucrats. Open society back up. Restore our freedoms. End this madness. Thank you, George Christensen, for taking a stand in your nation of Australia and demanding, demanding that the governments that are so engaged in lockdowns and total absurd insanity, it's a reprobate mind. If a reprobate mind had created this evil virus that has now traveled the world, then we need to deal with them for the evil that they have committed. They should not be rewarded with 400 and some odd thousand dollars a year in income and made to be literally a godman before the world. The absolute viral experts, so to speak. Enough is enough. We need the full truth about this virus, where it came from, who created it, and how it leaked out of that lab. Or was it intentional? I am more convinced that we are coming into the most evil time, at least in my lifetime, we've ever seen. There has been the evil of Nazi Germany and the wars and the Soviet Union and communist China. But I believe the heart of man in countries that were once Christians, countries that were once free, we've abandoned the faith once delivered to the saints. We've turned our back on God. We've said we don't need you anymore. We don't desire you anymore. We're not going to listen to you anymore. And I believe as a result, instead of being able to fight back against this evil, we will be succumbing to that evil, destroyed by that evil, toppled by that evil, and we may be paying a dear price in the not-too-distant future for allowing all this evil. When you have grown men walking into little girls' bathrooms because they've decided, I'm a woman, when high schools in Oregon no longer require you can read, write, or do math to get a high school diploma, this nation, we're doomed as a nation. We need to prepare. We'll talk about that tomorrow. If you believe in the ministry of truth to ponder, would you consider helping us financially to stay on the radio? Our mailing address is 21 Berkshire Lane, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. That, that box number is very important. That is our secure box. That is 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. We're in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. That's 30537. Also, we've been doing some updates on the website. Would you please take a look and let me know what you think. Until tomorrow. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth the number two, ponder.com. 
truth to ponder. Shining the light of truth in a darkening world.